Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Twitch, in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, we are at the tail end of a homebrew Eberron game called Eberron the Second Morning. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to help support shows like this and the website and all of the other costs that it takes to keep various aspects of Sly Flourish going, you can do so by going to Sly Flourish, going to patreon.com slash Sly Flourish and signing up to be a patron. Patrons get exclusive access to all kinds of materials like uncovered secrets, adventure generators, uh, a, a exclusive adventure access to Eberron or access to Notion notebooks uh, that I don't talk about on this show and all kinds of other stuff. So there's a lot of benefits to being a patron. Uh, there is only one pledge right now. It's a $2 pledge and it helps keep everything going. The patrons are helping with all different kinds of things. The, the, the Sly Flourish newsletter is because of them, right? They, there's a whole newsletter going out to thousands of people and it's I can afford that because uh, the patrons of Sly Flourish are helping to fund it. So uh, thank you all. If you are a patron, I appreciate it. So yes, we are probably within three sessions of the end of my Eberron campaign. The interesting thing is that my Wednesday, I've been running the same campaign for two groups, my Wednesday group and my Sunday group. And my Wednesday group finished it. Uh, my, we had their final session on uh, this past Wednesday, and they have, uh, I'm doing session zero of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden for them. Uh, I'll be doing session zero for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden for my Sunday group too, but it's probably going to be in about three weeks to a month. And um, yeah, so at the beginning of that session, we're actually going to do the, uh, hey, where one year later, one year after the, uh, uh, the ending of the events, uh, where are your characters now? And I gave them a week to think about like, what what happened with their characters after they managed to uh, defeat the weapon and 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 uh, thwart the daughters of Sorakel and uh, they 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 kidnapped or they didn't kidnap they they arrested um, Leto Skull and brought him to justice so really fun stuff right really really cool game so my other group the Sunday group the game we're talking about today uh, are in a totally different spot so uh, in short the characters are chasing a villain, uh, an Oni named Leto Skull, who is allied with the daughters of Sorakel, the leaders of the monstrous nation of Droam. Uh, they, are, they are trying to build another weapon of mourning, the weapon that caused the mourning and created the Mornland. Um, the daughters of Sorakel and uh, along with Leto Skull are trying to build a new weapon. The characters are trying to stop it. That's the plot. They have been chasing Leto Skull all the way across Corvair from spending a lot of time in Sharn and going beneath in the ruins of you know, the, the ruins of old Sharn, uh, then airships across the um, uh, across the land, uh, through a couple of other cities, and finally into the Mornland where they went through uh, destroyed cities. Uh, I hope Leto remembers the tooth. Remember the tooth. Uh, that would have been pretty funny. It goes, <sighs> so uh, they've been they were going through the Mornland. They rode on a psychotic, sentient warforged train called Karshak. They helped fix Karshak by finding Karshak's mate, Mycenta, and joining the two into a new warforged entity known as uh, Valis. Uh, and then they, by via Valis, they got to the Glass Plateau navigated the way across the, the glass plateau to the ruined city of making where the weapon of the morning was built originally and where the new weapon of morning is being built. Uh, they, they went around the city through a, a, uh, a derelict sh uh, crashed airship uh, and then finally made their way onto the floating earth moat of the ziggurat of the daughters of Sorakel. Uh, they could not get in the center of the city is a place called claw rift 
where the weapon is being made, but it was surrounded by a prismatic sphere. So the characters had to get to the ziggurat to find the key to get through the gateway. So get to get through the prismatic sphere to get into Clawrift. It turns out that in the throne room of the uh, ziggurat of the Daughters of Sarakel is a portal that goes right into Clawrift. So all they have to do is get past one of the three daughters, uh, Sora Tazara, uh, get past Sora Tazara and her guardians, and then they can get to the gateway and get into Clawrift. So the way I see the final sessions going are... Defeat Sora Tarasa. Ter Sorry, I get the names wrong. Defeat Sora Tarasa. Go into Claw Rift. Navigate Claw Rift. Uh, face the other two daughters and 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 Leto Skull and prevent them the next weapon. And when they do all that, they will be done. So I think it's about three sessions. I would like it to be about three sessions left. Today is Claw Rift part the Sora Tarasa plus Claw Rift part one. Uh, next one is Claw Rift part two. Up to the final battle. Third session is final battle and an epilogue. Right, and I think that that is a good outline for the remainder uh, of of the session. So as we do, we are using Notion to do our campaign building. Uh, somebody mentioned that they were looking at the Notion, they were looking at my Eberron Notion campaign guide, and went, "Oh!" They said, "I went straight to the database," and they're like, "You go into the database." Right. And you're like, oh, the database. Oh, my God. Look at all this stuff in the database. Like, it just keeps going and going and going. Like, you know, all these places, all these locations, all these people, you know, all this stuff. This just looks like locations, I think. Is it filtered by locations? Uh, yeah, it's filtered by locations. So we can, uh, how do you turn a filter off? Remove that filter. Right. And now, now you got all the people places things all the items this database is big i don't know how many records are in here i guess i could i could i could view it by record uh let's let's just for fun let's go to record table view uh, 125 objects in my eberron database whether locations npcs villains whatever uh so yeah big big database of stuff right that's a big campaign. So it's kind of cool to have this like notion notebook of an entire campaign from pretty much from beginning to end. It's not quite from beginning to end, but it's, it's pretty great uh, to have it this way and you can export it. I think I'll just for fun, I'll, I'll export it right now. Uh, export, uh, include sub pages. We'll do it to HTML and we'll export. Um, we'll let that go. Uh, so yes, uh, if you want to know more about Notion, uh, those of you who are in the chat can type exclamation mark Notion, and it gives you links to learn about how I'm using Notion for D&D, &D, including the video and including the article that I wrote. Uh, if anybody during this time asks about it, feel free to type exclamation mark Notion to answer their question about Notion, because that's, that's where you want to learn more. I think exporting this was a, was a mistake. Um... So yeah, the characters navigated their way. If you recall, they started off in a bathroom. They managed to make their way through the ziggurat. It was pretty cool. They saw there was a lot of guards in the ziggurat and stuff like that. And they made their way upstairs. Uh, they actually met ambassadors of the Lords of Dust were up there, uh, Rakshasa. Um, they avoided fighting the Rakshasa who said, this is out of hand. And they teleported away. So we're, we, don't, we don't want any of this stuff. And they teleported away. And... Um, uh, I guess I can close this window. I don't have to sit here and wait. 
it'll, they'll, it'll just tell me when it's done. It'll email me and say, you're done. But it'd be nice to have like a single HTML zip file that has like all of the my campaign and it. it's all navigatable and I can make that locally. So that's cool. Uh, so we're going to start off by creating a new session planning template as we always do. <laughs> Man, Notion is slow today. This is what you get when you have a web-based product. There it is. Uh, so 17 January, 2021, Sunday, Eberron. As we go, we go through the steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. Step one is review the characters. Let's take a look at the characters. We go to Sunday characters, go to gallery mode. We have Zarentir Delander, a dragon marked member of House Delander. He is a Hey, we're back. Uh, Dragon Mark, sorry, my microphone shorts out. Sometimes static, I think, or something like that. So we have a um, uh, Dragon Marked, uh, Storm Cleric, Storm Sorcerer, Storm Dragon Mark guy who likes storms and likes throwing lightning bolts and empowering them. Um, I don't know that there's any major hooks in the rest of this campaign that will really tie in heavily with Zarentir. Uh We have Saber. Uh, Saber is a uh, monk uh, of the four winds, a shifter monk of the four winds. Saber has a rival, Scar. So I want to make sure that some at some point they fight the, you know, the mercenary evil monk of. Um, uh, at some point in this, they're going to face Scar. Uh, uh, a evil mercenary monk who had tried to take down the four winds monastery that that'll, that'll be a fun character hook you know it's a fun way to take something that a player mentioned during downtime stuff and um bring it into uh the game uh shift uh shift is the last warforged first warforged ever built or one of the first warforged ever built um so she still has something I, and so you can leave loose ends one nice thing about doing like a one year later montage is you can leave loose ends and the players will pick it up if they if they want to do something with it um so i don't know that the uh i i don't know i i guess i guess the secret if we if we want to put in a secret for this so there's so we we, we have some secrets here so uh scar one nice thing about reviewing the characters is reviewing the characters leads to secrets, which is a great little way to go. Uh, has been hired by the daughters. Do, 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 do. Um, and is in Claw Rift. Um, lady uh, still hopes shift will take the weapon and come back to the emerald claw probably not going to happen but it's still a fun thing to, to a fun character hook to tug on um going back to characters uh we have shane husk uh shane husk a notable author uh is there any kind of fun Shane Husky kind of thing we could do in here. Nothing comes to mind. Um, so we definitely have some lack stuff. So Shane Husk is holding lack. Lack is the sentient uh, crystal ball, one known as the emissaries. 
Uh, so lack uh, wants um, the characters to open a portal to Dal Core and throw him back in. The other emissaries. Other emissaries uh, want the portal made permanent to reconnect Dalcor with uh, with Eberron. That's right. Two secrets. Um. Uh, let's see, uh, Lady, or uh, Sora, Terasa, holds Thrime. Is that right? Uh, no. Um, uh, Let's see. We got emissaries of dreaming dark. Are all so the emissaries of the dreaming dark are the seven uh, magical orbs. Um, Vorn is held by. Uh, so go back here. Is holding holds Vorn. So what does that do? Uh, it'd be kind of cool to give Vorn a power. Um, you know, it's it's kind of cool to show what like a, like each of the emissaries, each of these magical crystal balls, um, uh, has like a power. So like, what would a you know? The thing is, the character. I don't know. The characters are already on the edge. Um, so she's a seer. Vorn, I think it, it could be like a, um, uh, uh, so Sora Terraza maybe can pull it. Vorn shows people their worst feared outcomes. Yes, all of these were stolen. So much of my Eberron campaign was stolen from the Dark Tower um, because I was reading the entire, I read the entire Dark Tower series over 2019. It took me a year to read all eight books and um, almost in a day, I was listening to them on Audible. And um, while I was listening, I was doing this campaign. So a lot of stuff from here. Uh, Karshak, the sentient train is taken right from Blaine and uh, the emissaries are from the... Uh, yeah, the Merlin's Rainbow from uh, the Dark Tower series. Uh, I'm still not done looking at the characters yet. So that's Shane Husk. Banner uh, is a Warforged um, follower of the Becoming God. Uh, and um, I don't know if there's any major hooks there, too. He's been kind of... Uh, so I guess... So Banner... 
and uh, what's her name? Damn it. I have another Warforged. I got one of my NPCs because uh, I made a really cool NPC for this. Uh, broadsword. Uh, fought, fought together in the last war. Uh, broadsword is the leader of the uh, of the Lord of Blades's agents in making, also attempting to get the weapon. Banner is a paladin. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if Banner had some cleric in him. Banner, the uh, player loves the multi-class, and I can't keep track. Uh, and then we have Arwen Chi Sizu. Is there any hook here? It'd be kind of cool uh, if w one of the orbs showed her father. I just spilled coffee all over myself. Um, it'd be kind of cool if um, she saw, uh, a, 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 you know, something with her father, right? Cause her, she, she destroyed her father's chip, her father's memory chip that was inside of a docent. Uh, and they used it for, uh, to, to, to create, um, what's her name? Uh, what's their name? Uh, Valis. So, uh, strong start, uh, uh, Sora Tarasa pulls out uh, Vorn. And the characters see their worst memories. Um, that could be kind of fun. So scenes, fighting Sora, Tarasa, entering Claw Rift. We have to figure out where they're gonna enter Claw Rift. Uh, getting to the lower level, facing the daughter, Leto and the daughters. Um, and then Aftermath. And that is the whole campaign. That's the rest of the campaign in five bullets. Uh, Dark Abyss Keeper says, could Vorn show people visions of a certain action leading to their death? Then if the character goes and does that thing, they suffer a consequence because of the vision, whether it be a disadvantage and some sort of damage. Could be cool. I, what, my thought is that like, they'll see like their worst outcome, like the, like, you know, what, what either something that they did and how they, like a dark truth, right? Like, and then, and that might sort of paralyze them and they have to get past this this thing. So I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's a little hard to, I mean, it could be fun to kind of show, you know, show things that they did. Um, so like we could, if we want to look at like what the memories are, um, uh, banner, um, murdered civilians during the last war with broadsword. Um, we could have, uh, so, um, Saber breaks the four winds. Uh, 
right? Saber leads the leads the revolt against the um, the Four Winds Monastery, along with you know Saber and um, Scar. to destroy the Four Winds Monastery. Um, Shift gives the weapon to the daughter, to um, to Lady Omaro, and stands side by side with Crash, her brother. Um, she uh, destroyed her father's soul. And uh, let's see, um, Zarentir, uh is told he can never fly again and becomes uh, Mrs. Robinson's valet. And uh, who's last? Um, oh, Shane Husk gets writer's block. I think those are good. Those are sort of fun, dark, dark sides. Like he sits down to write his actions. And he's like, I can't write anymore. I don't know what it is, right? And his other book, like, you know, probably re publishers saying like, hey, you're in debt. We need the money back on your advance. Uh, sales have tanked on your original books. And when are you going to be done? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think those would be fun. All right. So I know what scenes are going to occur. So what secrets and clues uh, do we have? The Lord of Blades plans to infiltrate Claw Rift using a huge mechanical, a huge uh, construct worm. Big purple worm. He's at a desk surrounded by pastors. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse though than having to ask for your uh, than when when your when your uh, agent asks for your advance back, right? You got a big advance on your book and you're not publishing it, and they're like, "Yeah, that that money, we want that back, man." And by the way, none of the royalties in your other book are going anywhere either. And you like, I can't write, you know. So yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I need three more secrets included. Lord of Blades plans to infiltrate Claw Rift. Um, Lido, so Cavella is here too. Uh, with her brother. Neither her nor Lido uh, wants to follow the will of the daughters. Something is controlling Lido. Um, any other big secrets? Any other kind of things? Uh, claw, the uh, Claw Rift is a huge shattered gateway to many worlds controlled 
from four alters using pages from the Tome of Cole Sir. A massive construct holds a kyber, uh, a kyber crystal within the beam of the gateway, uh, which in turn funnels energy into a glass canister that holds a living wish. So I, those are good on secrets. You know, the nice thing again is like I'm weeks ahead on this one. So I kind of know following the path that my other group did, I kind of know what's going on there. I have decided that this weapon of mourning is very likely a living wish. And if the living wish gets free on its own, if it's not constructed, it manifests into a thing known as entropy. Entropy, if you recall, is your girl. Lord of the um, Slods, uh, available in Morden Canaan's Tome of Foes, and uh, is really, really powerful. 325 hit points, AC 20. That sounds bad. Yes. Three attacks, two with a scythe, and one with Entropic Touch. The scythe, 18 slashing damage plus 19 necrotic damage. Any creature reduced to zero hit points dies with its body and everything except turn into a cloud of ash, only recovered by a wish spell. Don't want to be dropped to zero by this guy. Entropic Touch. Uh, is that the other one? Entropic Touch, 14 to hit. 16 necrotic damage. Target must succeed in DC 22 or gain uh, or gain a level of exhaustion. So slowly, like, you take necrotic. 16 is not a lot of damage. Uh, so it can do lots of things. And it makes an attack with its scythe as a legendary action. It says five of these scythe attacks for like what is it 19 and 18 is 37 points five times 37 you know so the point is you can't fight this thing and beat it at level 11 um and you could very easily start getting disintegrated so if the ritual goes bad this thing's going to come out and start scything things and as it as it hits them and kills them uh they'll just turn to ash and disappear and they're like oh my god uh, you don't lose your gear uh, with this, uh, anything carrying except magic items. So your your magic items still still survive. So if they go bad, um, your girl, the Lord of Entropy, and we're just going to call it Entropy, right? This being of Entropy from another world is going to step inside. It's sort of the manifested angry living wish, and it just destroys, right? It's its wish is destruction. It just starts hitting stuff with a scythe, and the scythe just goes boosh, right? Really cool. So we like that. We're going to put that. I, I don't need to put in this episode. It's not going to happen this session. Fantastic locations. We have the Earth Moat of the Daughters. Uh, we have uh, Claw Rift. And those are the locations. We're good there. Uh, NPCs. We have Scar. We have uh, uh, Sora Terraza. We have Sora Ketra. And we have Sora Mania. Uh, we have Cavella. Uh, we have Broadsword. 
so we've got a lot. I think we've got some other NPCs too. I think um, the caretaker. I don't remember where the caretaker was going to be. We did. We were going to do the caretaker. Oh, caretaker's in the ziggurat, right? Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Rays. Uh, raises a artificer, goblin artificer, who is part of, you know, knows about the construction. They're wandering around in Clara. So these are all the NPCs that are potentially wandering around Clara through the areas. Uh, Deadly Encounter benchmark is 33 because I have six players. It's either on the assembly level, they'll do it. If, if it's five, it's 23. What is it? Uh, so five times 11 is 55. Half of 55 is 27. So the Deadly Encounter benchmark is 27 slash 33. That means I can have monsters up to, uh, I can have up to a total challenge rating of 33 if I add all the challenge ratings of monsters together. Uh, the monsters, I think I can steal this. I'm gonna save ourselves some time and uh, steal the monsters from last week's session. So we go to old sessions because I already did all these things. Uh, and it's the same guys. I guess I didn't link to them. Let me see if I link to them in another one. Um, here we go. We're gonna grab all these dudes and put them in here. And I think I've got, uh, let's see if I go back here. More monsters, yeah. Whoops. Pacing them all in, but uh, let's see. So I don't need that. Uh, uh, I know we have Medusa. I think we have Lido Skull. I already have. Um, so we put that in here. Oh, cursor. So we can get rid of this one. Sora Ketra is the abjurer. So I can get rid of that one. Uh, we have Cyclopses, Cyclopes. We have Medusa Mage is already on the list. Uh, we have War Trolls already on the list. Uh, we have Mania, Mania's Fist Ogres. Those are probably pretty good. The funny thing is they're all like CR6 when it comes down to it. Um, yeah. So this is like all the monsters I need for the whole rest of the campaign, right? Kind of handy to have. Treasure. Uh, I don't. Uh, we should take a look. So let's see. I can now get rid of the Wednesday one. Actually, I can get rid of that in the template because um, let's go back and do that. So we go back to Eberron. And this is how you edit your template, which is important when you're customizing Notion. You go to configure template. And you go down to the template block and you open the template block. And in here, you can make modifications. And this is because my other group is done. So I don't need them anymore. Makes me sad. Uh, and now that is saved to the template. Now when I generate a new template, that also means I can go, I think that's already linked. So um, yeah. So now the template's done. So now when I click the template for next week, I won't have to do that again. Uh, so what were we going to do? We were going to look at treasure. It's 
always worth seeing. Like, is there anything that, oh, well, so there's some treasure and some people are gonna love this. Uh, so there's a cloak of flying. There is a staff of power. There is a ring of mind shielding. Uh, an ion stone of absorption. These are all the things that the daughters and, and Leto are carrying. Uh, there is, oh, the mall. Um, Sora Mania's mall is uh, the Hammer of Mabar. It's a hammer that can banish someone to Babar. <laughs> it doesn't scream when she swings it, but when you hit it, you will scream because you are then teleported to, you are, you are then banished to Mabar <laughs> from her hammer. She's really nasty. I love the daughters. That's an important secret. Um, the daughters are not really in making. They sent simulacrums. Snark Knight's like, Jesus. Uh, I, 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 I grabbed some cool art. I think we looked at the art last week um, and we'll see again as the pop quiz on if you can tell me where this art came from so this is sora terraza uh oh yeah she has a robe of eyes so that's a big piece of treasure whoops isn't that a cool piece of art i love that art uh that is sora mania with her mall and then we have uh, and then we have Soraketra. And that's Soraketra's picture. And she has wings of flying. So that's plenty of treasure. Boy, it's the loot is heavy and it's not much left to go, so I'm not I'm not too worried about it. I don't think we have to worry about uh, artifacts. I may throw some artifacts from Archon and the Ancients if I get bored, but I think it's pretty solid. Uh, so let's take a look at. Okay, so the characters are going to go to the Daughters Earth mode. They are currently fighting, and we can I can show you where where all this is at. We'll go to the map. Uh, da, da, da. They're on the third floor. It was really fun for them to kind of find their way to get up to the third floor. So great big map. One of those Dyson, giant Dyson maps. So they went up these stairs and, whoa. Wow. It's so big, you can't tell where the zoom goes. So they are in here. Um, and uh, that is all set. I did, I think, I can't remember if, I think it was in Discord. Uh, somebody mentioned, I was, I was lamenting not having a good tool uh, to label maps. And um, I found, uh, so somebody linked to one called Zoho Annotator. Uh, Zoho, Zoho Annotator. And it is 
screen capture software for Chrome. I will paste this. You, you need Chrome, uh, but you can add it as a plugin to Chrome. And I have it as a plugin. And what you can do with that is, uh, where did my map go? If I want to annotate this map, so let's, let's, oh no. Oh, what did I do? Oh, gods, I don't even know where I am. Reset. So if I want to annotate this map, right? Uh, I can click the Zoho annotator thing and say, uh, the, I, can, I want to annotate the visible area of the page. And it brings it up into a window here. And I can just click text and I can say, um, what's this place? Uh, floating pool. And we use black text because what the hell's up with the violet text? And uh, I can then move this right there. It already has like the outlining. Um, I don't know if there's a way to center it. I don't see a way to center it, which is a bummer. Yeah, so you can see where I put a nice outline around it. You can change your size. So if you want kind of a bigger size, uh, you can do that. Um, you could have like, you know, do another one. You click the thing and say bang, armory. So it's a real quick way to annotate a map. And so you can grab a Dyson map and you can throw your annotations on on here. You could have, you know, what else would this be? Uh, let's see, mage quarter, uh, you know, whatever you want to do. I'm just making stuff up now. But the nice thing is like, you can read it. And again, it's just for you, right? You're just doing it for yourself. You're not doing it to publish in a book. So ugly is fine. Uh, I don't want, when you click done, uh, you can then um, download it. You know, I can just stick it to right. And now I've got a ping, uh, right? There's my ping with my, with my label on it. So yeah, the Zoho annotator is a really fast way. Remember, I don't know if you, anybody who was around last week saw me monkeying around with other annotation software and it all sucked. Um, this one works well, right? It's not pretty, but it's, it, it gets labels on a map, which is what I want, you know, and you can just take this if I wanted to, and I can throw it right into, you know, let's pretend uh, I wanted to add it. I can do, uh, I think I can just hit paste, right? Yeah, there it goes. And there it is, right? Thing done. Um, but I'm not, I don't need it because I already did it. So that is a good fast way to annotate a Dyson map, uh, which I, you know, which I think is a really, really cool. I would love Notion to have a way to annotate images. Like I wish you could do any like draw a label on an image. It would be so handy, right? But it's probably a pain in the ass to do. So I can I can understand why it's not there. So, yeah, so let's talk. Okay, so we're not doing the earth mode because they're in that final room in the earth mode. They're in here. They're fighting a bunch of dudes. Uh, that's already set. So I don't, you know, I had all these levels for the earth mode, but I don't need them anymore because they already they already went there. Uh, backlinks, we've got a 17. Nice, that does them in order. Claw Rift, on the other hand, they're just getting into. So I have like a cool art for what Claw Rift looks like. Claw Rift is, and I already annotated this one because I did for my other group. Claw Rift is three levels, an upper level, and there are three levels that are going deeper. So 
there's a surface level, there's the, the next level down, which is like a hundred feet down. And then another one, which is another couple hundred feet down. So it's a very deep 500 foot, like imagine almost like a funnel. And the, the, the inspiration for this is Chernobyl, right? This is the reactor, the main reactor below at Chernobyl. And that's what happened is they were making the weapon. They had an ancient gateway. They were pouring energy out of the gateway. The gateway exploded and now raw planar energy is pouring into the air and it's very dangerous and it'll tear you up. And yet now other group is trying to come in and essentially use the energy from this to make another weapon. Uh, so top level we have, let's take a look. Uh, so top level, we need where they, where they show up. So I think they're going to show up where it says gateway, right? That they will, they will be portaling into here. Uh, midnight in Chernobyl is terrifyingly audible. If I remember interesting. Um, oh, a, a terrifying audible. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, I, I watched the, the, the TV series and it was freaky. So, um, so they'll start at this gateway and then they can start making their way around. There's the overlooks where they can actually see claw rift. Uh, there's this, there's, there, there's essentially, I tried to, uh, jquay up these dungeons. So they have multiple paths that can lead down. There's decrepit elevators. There's main elevators that were, were used. And then there's the deep shaft, which is a, another sort of broken, broken elevator. So there's probably three different ways to get there. Um, it's filled with Droam on the upper side. Like a lot of trolls and ogres are, are hanging around here. Um, you know, there's, and then there's like the main entry points that, you know, that the, these, these stairs here that kind of look out over the, um, uh, the prismatic wall, which is separating them. So there's really, I guess, like a couple ways down. I mean, you could try to go down this, this pit, the central pit, but you get shredded by the power. This center area here, that's where energy is roaring out of it. Um, so they moved the thing down through this decrepit elevator before. Well, they probably had it crawl right down. The construct crawled right down, but then the rest of them took the elevator down. Um, but the, the party could potentially go down through this deep shaft. Uh, so that's level one, mostly filled with Droam uh, uh, guard barracks, which are like ogres and trolls. There's probably one of the Medusa mages wandering around here too. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, then level two, the further down it goes, the more ruined it is too. So this is, this is level two, uh, hundred meter down or hundred feet down. So this is the deep shaft kind of leads out to this overlook here. There's a bunch of places down here that no one's actually discovered and it's, they're 10 years old and sealed off. Uh, then there's the, the laboratories where they were running it and, and another, the, the decrepit elevator goes here and then makes its way around to another ruined lift. So you, you can't just drop down the decrepit elevator and go straight down. There's there's all these areas. Crumbling bridge. Um, there's Drom Sentinels. And, and this lift, no, this lift is the main lift that they use to go all the way down below. So again, you sort of have multiple paths, right? Like there's multiple ways down. Um, and some of them are old and broken. And then some of them are new and be, or not new, but are, are still functioning. And that's the ones that the Drom used. Uh, and then again, like if you come out here, you're on this narrow walkway and you just see the energy pouring out of the claw rift in this center area. So that's level two. And then level three is the main floor. There are decrepit portals, portals that are still open and still operating. These are like the reactors that are still kind of working, but not really. Uh, so there's the main lift, uh, kind of down here, I guess. Yeah. Main lift kind of drops down here. And then the actual claw rift is here, right? 
And um, I don't know which way the characters will come from. We'll have to figure that out. But this is where the final battle takes place. This is the altar. You know, the altar of worlds are all around here. Claw Rift is in the center. It's pouring out. This is where, um, uh, this is where it all goes. And then, uh, you know, then there's other sort of places back here where weird, weird stuff is going on. A gateway to Delora, a gateway to Mabar, you know, Artificer's Shrine. So other things to kind of explore down here. But generally speaking, they're going to go in the main room and get the big fight. Um, Arjun Jagger says, what do you use for dungeon building? I steal Dyson maps. Uh, and I recommend as a lazy dungeon master, go steal Dyson maps. Dyson logos. Go to DysonLogos.blog. Go to maps. Click on all maps. Two clicks away. Two clicks to a thousand maps. This link right here, one page has a thousand, basically a more, probably a thousand if you include some maps, a thousand maps, you know, just scroll down until you find the one that fits what you need and then grab it and go. Maybe pick a few and then, and then pick from the ones that work best. But Dyson is doing uh, a hero's job giving us, uh, like, look at this one. This is one of my favorites, this guy. The winter tombs. Uh, they're so big. He has a VTT version. What's the difference between the VTT? Is that smaller? Oh, that's 1200 DPI, 70. So let's, well, we'll do the smaller one. Save the world some bandwidth. Look at that map, right? One great big map. Nice big map. You could do all the rooms in it. You know, this is a campaign. Imagine running like a campaign that's just this map, right? You could probably do it. Yeah, I backed I backed Dyson just to support him on Patreon. I'm, I have a, a Patreon subscription to Dyson, um, and just just because he's he's doing such great work getting these maps out to people, uh, I feel he deserves the compensation. Um. Yeah, I haven't seen Dyson on Twitch. I guess he just draws, right? I don't think he talks. I don't think he. I don't think he does much. But uh, yeah, Dyson, bang. Uh, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. Who needs to return, Lazy Dungeon Master? Books. As my wife would say, I don't know. Some tosser wrote that. Uh, so that's the base of Clarif, and that's where the fights are. That's where the fights are going to be. Uh, I sort of have like these discoveries. And monsters. So if I want to throw some randomness in here, I have some ways of throwing some randomness in here. I don't have to, you know, encounter wise, I can sort of wing it. And and then this is that idea, like this is kind of a, an, a, a, a sort of a different way of thinking about encounters. I think a lot of DMs build encounters ahead of time. They have numbers of monsters and, and comp you know, they, they pick like a group, sort of fourth edition style. I got two artillery and four, like, you know, two cyclopses and, and or, or four cyclopses, cyclopes, and two, let's see if I can do this, I'll shorten the mic. Because uh, I want to lean back and chat. Um, two Cyclopes, four Cyclopes and two Medusa Mages, right? And they're like, I have this group and they're going to be standing on the bridge and here's where they're going to be located. And they're going to be this square, this square, this square, this square, this square, this square. And I don't build encounters that way. I say, here are the types of monsters that would be in this area, right? And maybe the numbers of them. There, there's going to be more trolls and ogres than there will be Cyclopes. There's going to be more cyclopes then there would be medusa mages right and and so you, you kind of this funnel of like you know lots of these monsters smaller amounts of these monsters a few of these and then very few of these and and then i i, I then build the encounter on feeling like have they had a rough go maybe they only face one troll right maybe one troll is walking around with the goblin artificer who's not really a combatant and then they beat the troll like you know you you want you definitely want to have 
few, you know, a lot of fights of lower uh, power is fine. Like we had a really fun fight against a single troll, right? These are five, six, five or six 11th level characters, right? Facing one, one troll. And it was an awesome fight because of the circumstances. They were, they were in a bathroom and his pants were around his ankles and his axe was against the wall. So he wasn't in a good position, literally. Uh, but, um, you know, it's still like we got to beat this guy and make it quiet so that the rest of this place doesn't come down on us. So it was really interesting. It was a fun, fun fight. Um, where the, the more tactical fights of like top, you know, equal CR kind of stuff, they get kind of boring and long and tiresome. So you don't want a lot of those. Instead, a lot of little fights are good, right? And there's a lot of like, well, we don't want this place to come down on us with everything. So we got to be quiet. So situational fights are fun. And a lot of times I love just having like two guys walk around the corner and go, whoo, right? And then you surprise two guards, right? And grab them up, you know, face a couple of ogres. And, and you know, those fights are a lot of fun. And it gives characters a chance to really show what they do. And they love to just like one shot, you know, one shotting monsters are fun. And you don't care. I've got all the ogres in the universe if I want them. So, you know, yeah. And then boss battles is when you kind of turn on the fire hose. You know, like, you know, a CR 23 monster. I did a calculation. This is pretty funny that in the Wednesday fight and uh, the final battle, and we'll see it when I, when I start prepping the final battle and probably in the next episode or next episode or episode after that. Um, when I was calculating out the final battle, I knew that the deadly encounter threshold was 33, that, that, you know, the math told me that 33 challenge ratings worth of monsters is on the edge of deadly. And then I counted up all the monsters I planned on having in the encounter, and it was 111. And I'm like, okay, I'm th I'm more than three times higher. I'm almost four times higher, <laughs> you know. But the circumstances are kind of different. Like, yeah, I've got four Medusa mages, but three of them are busy maintaining altars. They're not throwing lightning bolts around. Yeah, there's a CR 23, you know, Lord of the. Slot, Lord of the Slods that might show up. But if he shows up, you've already gotten a really bad spot and your goal is not to fight him and beat him because he's going to kill you, right? So there's like, yeah, there's a lot of these things, but like, it's like waves and it's like, they don't all come at once. And like Sora Metra, boy, when they were that, she scared people. Like they're like, I do not want to get hit by her in that hammer. She hits for, what was it? I think it's 40 points of damage a hit or something like that. Um, You know, she hits really, really hard. Uh, so she can, she can do banishing smite once a day, um, 21 bludgeoning and 27 force damage once a day. So I think, I thought she hit harder. She, she fights with like a fire giant. Yeah. So she was doing 30, 30, um, she was doing 30 damage a hit with her maul when it wasn't smited and then she could add smiting and boy, people were like, they were scared to death of that, her and that hammer. They were doing everything to get away from her and that hammer. So, um, yeah. So yeah, but 111, uh, if the wizard has a staff of power, no, the wizard won't have a staff of power, but the bad guy has a staff of power, you know, so she can use that. So yeah, it's, it, it's, um, so you, you right, you build encounters based on the story first, and your, the deadly threshold is really just there to be like, eh, just so I know what I'm doing, right? 
It's just a warning. It's a numeric warning. That's all it is. It's not encounter building. It's not a mathematical formula for building fun encounters. There is no such thing. Encounters come from the story. What, what should be in here and how do I plan that out? So when you think about who are the groups that are wandering around Claw Rift? Well, in the upper floors, it's mostly ogres and trolls. In the middle floor, there's probably a Medusa mage and a couple of Cyclopes. You know, they're wandering around. And also, by the way, you've got the Lord of Blades guys uh, coming in. So um, first time I'm looking for D&D &D and then I see that you use Notion. Yes, I do, Notion. Uh, I do use Notion. I love it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the thought about encounter buildings, right? You, you, I really try to ascribe to this, like build encounters based on the story. And also you can base them on the feeling, right? Like if they've had a bunch of hard encounters, give them some easy ones, right? Use pacing, right? This is your important pacing, understanding pacing. Do not stick to what your plans are. If they're going against the, the pacing and the feeling of the game, if it's getting boring and dry, throw it away. Right. And, and if it's too hard, go easy. It's uh, you, you're in control of pacing. And so, so story and pacing are the drivers, right. Of the game. Like is the pacing is the story, you know, what, what would happen in the world is one question. And then what's fun is on the other side. And you are balancing these two continually, what you did before or what you planned are not in that equation, right? What you, what you did before, what you planned were to help you get where you are, but now you're here and now it's time to, uh, you know, Look at the story, what what should happen here and what will be fun to have happen here. And those, those you know, and, and usually lean towards the fun, right? Start with the story and then modify it based on fun until it's fun. And that, I think, I think that that, I think that that works pretty well. Um, what else? Is there any other, I mean, I'm good, right? This is nice. This is a nice relaxing one for me because uh, I know where they're going to start. They're starting a big fight. Uh, it's going to be scary. Then they have to have an opportunity to take a long rest because they're going to go through all a claw rift without it. So I think that, you know, time to take a long rest. Uh, yes, fun is the most important thing. But that, so th I'm not a big fan of like the, whenever you ask DMs for advice and they say relax and have fun are like the two most common thing. Neither of those are helpful, right? And it's because no one knows how to do either of those two, right? What does that mean? What is fun, right? What, what? And so it, I try to go like a surface level deeper. And what's relaxing? Well, relaxing is feeling prepared. It's not being prepared. It's feeling prepared. So how do we feel prepared? Well, let's have a loose outline of things that we need to fill out in order to feel like we've got what we need on hand to do it. So that's relaxing for me. Like I tell you, I, I have the same anxiety that everyone else does. I have the same anxiety today when I was like, oh my God, I got to run a game at noon. Oh, what's that going to be like? And then I go through the steps with you guys and then I feel good, right? And I look at it and I, I, I ask a question, which I ask every time, which is, how do I feel? And it's like, I feel good. I know where our game is going to start. I got a bunch of interesting scenes. I know where it's generally headed. I got a bunch of secrets and clues that they can discover, which are like revealing the story, which is always fun. Um, I, my locations are well built out. I've got a good cast of NPCs. I got a bunch of piles of monsters ready to go. Some interesting treasure. I'm good, right? I feel good. My notes are good. Uh... So that's the relaxing part. And then the fun part, like, what does it mean to, to have fun? Well, it's hard. You got six people. I have six people in my group. So there's seven of us. And it's important that we're all having fun. And like different people like fun in different ways. And some like crunchy tactical combat and some like fun story things. Some like treasure. You know, they all have different things that they like. So it's like, well, how do I drop those in there? And then it's like, well, also, and that's why I think it's far more useful to talk about pacing than it is to talk about what's fun because pacing is fun. But we don't know about it. So that's where a book like Hamlet's Hit Points really helps, right? Like, um, 
if you're not familiar with it, it's probably my top five. I think I wrote a book of like, or I wrote a Notion notebook. Uh, let's go back to, to my Zettelkasten. Mike's nerdy ass Zettelkasten. Um, uh, da, 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 book, best books for DMing, right? Let's open this as a page. And in my top five are Cobalt, Complete Cobalt Guide to Game Design. I think I have a credit in there. Hamlet, which is why I say Hamlet's Hit Points, which we're going to talk about. How to Write Adventures That Don't Suck. Monsters Know What They're Doing. And Dungeon World, right? Those are my, my top five. If you want to read five books besides my own, you should read Cypher. You should read Fantastic or uh, Return of the Dungeon Master. Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master first, of course. Um, outside of my own book. Uh, these five books, I think, are the ones that are that that really give a good idea about uh, how to do it. So the interesting thing, the Goodman Games one is actually a, there's a short PDF. It's free. Um, I'll paste this in the notes. <laughs> that the book was based on. Uh, is this list on your site? No, but since you're here, uh, I think it's shared. Uh, it is shared. So there you go. Um, so there is an article by Goodman Games that it was based on. It was an outline for a Gen Con in 2007 by Joseph Goodman. And these are like, it's a bullet list of things. It's just a really nice two page thing of like how to make adventures that don't suck. It's written from the standpoint of writing adventures for publication, but it works for making adventures that are fun to play too. So I recommend this one a lot. And it's only two pages. Uh, the other one that's on that list, uh, which I was just about to talk about is Hamlet's Hit Points. And Hamlet's hit point, you know, was eight bucks, totally worth it. But the bulk of Hamlet's hit points um, doesn't have a preview. That's a bummer. Um, the bulk of Hamlet's hit points is really the concept of upward and downward beats. And you can summarize the, the, the so Hamlet's hit points talks about lots of different drivers, but you know, the important one is the one up front, which is upward and downward beats. And it's easy to remember. And the idea is that you want to oscillate between upward and downward beats, good things, bad things, good things, bad things, good things, bad things. You don't want to have, you know, all, all bad things and it's totally depressing, all good things and it's boring. So you, by switching between the two, you're in a dungeon, you're getting hit by specters, you're losing energy, uh, you still have to go to a room, you know that the main boss is ahead, you're like, oh my god, then you see a crack in a wall, you break through the wall, a healing fountain, oh, and you can seal up the door so no one knows you're here, you can take a long rest, you can go to healing fountain, you can heal your store, oh, thank god, right, I thought we were gonna have to go in there, you know, beat up, it's like, imagine those Final Fantasy dungeons from the old days, the Final Fantasy dungeons from the old days where like you went through the dungeon and you're going deeper and deeper and deeper. And then suddenly you see that little glowy star and you're like, oh, I can rest and save. Oh, thank God. Right. And you just it felt so good. Um, if you play any of the um, uh, the Souls games, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 1, 2 and 3, um, Demon Souls or Bloodborne. Right. If you uh, and uh, what's the other one, the Japanese one that's really good. You play any of those games. Uh, if you play any of those games. The um, uh, when you open a shortcut, it feels so good. You're like, I went through this whole big place, and then you open a door, and you're like, oh, there's a bonfire. I remember there's one place. It's in Dark Souls One. I just played the hell out of Dark Souls One, and um, uh, the undead, not the undead Berg. It's the, it's the lowest, the uh, the blight, blight town. There's a place called Blight Town. Yeah, Securo. Shadows die twice. Really good. Um, so Blight Town is this totally horrible place to go through. It's so boring. It's so vertical. 
and it's you can't see anything and you get diseased you get shot with toxic darts it sucks and then yeah ugh there's somebody dark abyss keeper says oh blight town and and boy when you find the fire that's halfway down blight town you're like oh thank you and i remember i got there and i was like i never have to go there again like i am so happy that i never have to do that route again cuz it was such a pain and then of course i played the game twice more so i had to do it twice more uh, but there's actually a secret to get into Blight Town from a different direction, and it's way better, way easier. It's still kind of hard, but it's a much better path. Um, that's through the Drake, the Valley of the Drakes. Go through the Valley of the Drakes. So instead of going through Undeadburg. Um, I think you need the Master Key to do that. So, uh, yeah. So you want that pacing in your game, right? You want good things and bad things and good things and bad things. You want to have it. And a way to change the pacing is change the encounters. So if you have a really hard encounter, have some easy encounters. If they've had a bunch of encounters in a row, give them a little spot to take a rest or some nice thing or have a funny, fun NPC interaction where they run into like the, an old, you know, an old character that they hadn't run into. And they're like, what the hell are you doing down here? So it could be really fun. Uh, I don't know the frame perfect drop and roll. That is, I'm unfamiliar with the frame perfect drop and roll. I'll have to go look that up on the YouTubes. So yeah, anyway, it's been an hour. We're good. Uh, you know, change your battles to fit the pacing of the game. Start with the story and then work towards um, uh, work towards other things. If I rec if I remember, I will add all this stuff in the show notes, uh, the book, book book recommendations and stuff. I'll keep that window open so I so I'll remember. I want to thank everybody for coming today. It is always a great pleasure of mine to hang out with you guys. Oh my oh my god, 106 viewers, man! I should pay more attention to what I'm saying. Um. Thank you all for coming. It's a great pleasure to do this show every week. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something useful out of it. Uh, if you want to see more of these, you can go onto uh, YouTube and see all of the views there. If you want to support the show and support other things I do, please go to patreon.com slash flourish. You can sign up. You get a bunch of free stuff. And uh, we will be back next week and we'll see how, th how things go. So have a great week and uh, get out there and play some D&D.